Titus gives to Amici. The Pope's the world champion. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Hard-running. Exciting. Thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the game. Go crazy, folks. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Westerham. This is Mike Ashley. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vane, the Boogie Woogie Man. Hey, guys, I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. Absolutely, virtual insanity on a daily basis. Crazy world in which we live gets just maddening, more maddening by the day. Call us up on the Baker Team Hotline, 639-4900. Text line 744-2990. And this is why things, distractions like sports is... You know, so necessary, so vital. It's why we turn to it, right? I mean, just look at just look at what's going on with some of the daily news, right? Dude for uh, Pfizer comes on uh, social media yesterday saying that they are intentionally creating new mutations of the dreaded COVID so more people will catch it. I mean, you can't make it up. Andy Bitter joins us from The Athletic, 735. We'll get to Skinny on uh, these Virginia Tech recruiting visits, these recruiting days, what they're trying to accomplish. We'll get some insight there, see if he's got an update on portal numbers, the entries, then Dwight Vick. And today at 835 with Dwight, I want to talk about the importance of culture because I think that's where we're headed now. Year two for Brent Pry in Virginia Tech. It's a word that I know is used a lot. There are a lot of words that are overused when we're discussing whatever topic it might be. Music, art, entertainment, sports. Genius is one, right? Oh, he's a genius. Well, 
Sometimes. Sometimes. But the word that I think is used a lot that's very important, and I've come to kind of accept it more because I believe maybe even five, seven years ago, I probably dismissed it a little bit. But the word culture in a locker room or around a program, I think is the most vital thing going on right now in sports to have success, the the correct culture. And I want to ask Dwight about that, the culture that he walked into when he's being recruited by Frank Beamer and Brian Steinspring, the culture that permeated around that program for a long time. And let's not you know, tippy-toe around it, the culture that Justin Fuente absolutely destroyed and Whit Babcock allowed that Brent Pry is trying to come in and repair. And the reason, I guess, because it's become so prominent, and I want to get your thoughts on it, I mean, you think about any interview you watch, they'll probably talk to all the quarterbacks this weekend. And I've already seen interviews with three of them. Haven't really seen one with Brock Purdy. But, you know, Jalen Hurts throughout the season. He's talking about the culture that the new coaching staff has built. Patrick Mahomes talks about Andy Reid's culture all the time. Joe Burrow takes responsibility for trying to help set a new standard or culture of winning in Cincinnati for the Bengals. Darius Nichols, Radford University. We've got a huge game tonight, by the way, on national television on ESPNU. We'd love for you to come out. Talks about the culture. How many times has he sat in the studio, right? Mike Young, last time we had him on, culture. Kenny Brooks. I mean, it's, it's the word that you have to establish. It is the actual thing that may not even be said a lot, but... That is what separates, I think I'm convinced now, between winning and losing. Not all the time because you can have a great culture and obviously you can go up against another team that has a great culture and it comes down to just winning on the field. But I'm saying having a winning program, having that mindset that you can win and you can compete for championships and doing things the right way and why that is so vitally important because we constantly see people hired that do it the wrong way. And then when the next coach or the staff comes in, or owners or whatever it might be, general managers, whichever sport you're talking about, then they have to come in and repair the culture. And once that's broken down and taken away, boy, it's not easy to, first of all, it's not easy to assess, and then it's not, it's even more difficult to try to piece it back together. And from a sports perspective, I guarantee you that when you see all four teams in the National Football League Championship games this weekend, it's about the right culture around the program. And you can go back to any year that you were a fan of any team you are. Go ahead and we'd love to hear examples, right? Let's take, let's see. Let's take the Dallas Cowboys. Who haven't won a championship. This is America's team. Easily the most recognizable professional football team in the world, I would say. I think you could safely say that. 
that Cowboys star, right? Haven't won a title since the 94 season Super Bowl when they edged out Pittsburgh. So you're looking at what? 30 years almost? How has their culture been under Jerry Jones since then? Constant revolving door of coaches in and out, him meddling into this and that, whatever it might be, with either personnel, coaching staff. They found lightning in a bottle with Jimmy Johnson and the big trade of Herschel Walker that helped set the standard with those guys that he drafted that brought in a certain culture, right? They haven't had it since then. They're, they're getting it back, I think, or I thought they were, and maybe they do have it in place to a certain extent. But yet they're always talking around Dallas, all these writers, all these folks speculating about Mike McCarthy's job. Dan Quinn likely going to leave as their defensive coordinator. Is Dak Prescott that guy, the culture around that team? I mean, you think about it. Virginia Tech football, the culture has been miserable. Maybe first year under Fuente, you could say it was okay. Maybe even the second year. But the last four years, not only did it start to deteriorate, it crashed and burned. But yet last year, even though they only won three games, didn't you honestly feel like from a Virginia Tech football perspective that Brent Pry knew from day one that the culture part, and he talked about it, right, was on the uptick? Even though you knew that many of the players that were playing last year wouldn't be back this year and maybe they weren't ideal because of the talent level, but yet he ran them out there and many of those games they were close. And you just kind of felt the way those guys played hard and pulled for one another because constantly Coach Pry was asked, right, by the reporters, hey, are they still buying in during the losing streak? What was it, a seven-game losing streak? Much like basketball just suffered? And every week it was the same answer. And the thing about it, you didn't even have to have Coach Pry answer because you could just watch them play, and they were playing as hard as they could. They never lost that. And that's because I believe he really made a lot of dividends, brick by brick, putting that culture back together. Now, it didn't result into a lot of wins or a postseason appearance, but culture takes time. And there seems to be a genuine buzz around the program with either high school players or even some portal kids that sees that the culture is changing. And I just think that has become, for me, I can give you an example of my own fanship. Right now, my beloved Denver Broncos have no culture. They don't have a head coach. (laughs) They've hired three straight first-year head coaches, and none of the three were able to establish a culture. None of the three were able to do anything to get them into a contention. Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, and certainly not the disaster that was Nathaniel Hackett. There's no culture there right now. No winning culture. And players will willingly buy into it. You don't have to force them to do it. They want to come there. That's why Peyton Manning, when he signed with Denver, was such an attractive, all of a sudden the Broncos became this attractive free agency destination. It wasn't because all of a sudden John Elway became, who, by the way, is not the GM anymore, so people always want to give me a hard time about the Broncos. Elway hasn't been in charge now for about three years, so it's George Peyton who made the horrible 
hiring of Hackett. But anyway, you know, it looked like Elway was bringing in all these free agents. But what it was, they wanted to play with Peyton Manning, these players, because they knew the culture that he brought with them. Why is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? The winning culture. He holds people accountable, and I think players want to be part of that. Now, you can have a culture, and all of a sudden, you can have a losing season. It doesn't mean that your culture is gone. It just means that, well, we got to get better next year. And usually the teams, I think, that have a recovery year when they've had an anomaly of a bad season – do so because they didn't lose that intangible of what they had built from a culture perspective. And I think you can watch it. You can watch teams that have fun. You can watch teams that are together. And I believe it's self-explanatory. I mean, you're smart sports fans. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can watch. You can watch your kids play their high school sports. And you know. You know when the culture's done. Uh, the coaches have done it the right way. I can sit there on press row and watch these Radford kids, even if I didn't know them as well as I do, these Highlanders, and know immediately that they love playing for one another and their coaches and the right culture is in place in just not even two full seasons under Darius Nichols. I believe Mike Young has a very strong culture over at Tech, despite the fact they're coming out of the seven-game losing streak. Those kids never stopped playing. Those games were all close. I think the biggest factor when you see culture eroding away is when people just don't give a damn anymore. All right? Everybody shows up because they have to. No effort. You can tell when there's no effort. And that means there's no culture. There's no accountability. And I believe those two words go together. Culture equals accountability. And I certainly believe from a tech football perspective that even though it's been down and out now for the last, what, three years at least, maybe four, that that staff completely understands that aspect of it. And I think it's at the forefront of what they look at on a daily basis. I really do. And I don't think they've ever lost sight of that. As much as fans did and as much as the results of the games didn't please people. But I don't think you're going to find a championship team without it. I mean, the ones who are really talented, yeah. Maybe maybe you have pockets and clicks. Mike just sent that in. Sometimes you have a separation of talent and guys who actually like each other. And I'm not necessarily, Mike, talking about, and I appreciate the text message, Mike, 744-2990. I'm not even saying you have to like one another. Right? A lot of times you have battles with huge egos. There's a lot of egos. Heck, everybody who plays or is involved in professional sports collegiate sports, you're going to have an ego. Because I think that's what drives you to be great. And not everybody's going to get along. Not everybody's going to break bread. But you still go out there and, you know, that bottom line is they share the common denominator. Winning is everything. I mean, back, I know I've talked about the 70 Steelers lately, but, you know, I, I remember seeing interviews. You read the books. I mean, that defense, the steel curtain, a lot of times they just they wouldn't talk to the offense. Because they believed they were the foundation, and they were. Offense had to catch up. Terry Bradshaw had to catch up. Right? Defense would rip into the offense. Why are we the ones that are out here doing it all right? Why can't you get it together? I mean, you don't always have to have 
people like each other. It's impossible for everybody in the same workplace to like each other. It's just not going to happen. This isn't the world of George Costanza where he has to be liked. But if you respect that other person and still you're driven by the same goal, which is to win, then that's a culture. And the culture overcomes personal disagreements and I think dislikes amongst individuals. I really do. Anyway, started thinking about that last night, hearing some of these coaches and every time. I mean, how many times you watch an interview with a coach, especially a new coach, what are they talking about? Establishing the culture. It's real. We hope the culture here on BDST is pleasing to you because you're the ones who help make it up. We'll be back here on a Thursday. Don't go away. You're not off the leash yet. We're happy to have you with us and hope you'll come back often. Big Dog Sports Talk will be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on WRAD. Speaking of culture, how about those 79 Pittsburgh Pirates? Ah, they had it. We are family. Willie Stargell. <laughs> Just had a great call from uh, Steve. We're going to talk about that culture in the workplace coming up here. Come back. I love it when we talk about something people relate to their own lives, right? And that's it. Culture where you work, look around, think about it. Why are you unhappy at work? If you're unhappy at work, likely you have a bad culture. Dad's sage advice comes through. The fish rots from the head, right? Your culture is usually created by your boss. And Steve uh, was just talking about that, how, yeah, it relates right to it. Understands completely what we're talking about. So that was cool. All right, tonight I mentioned there's a huge, huge game for Radford. They're bringing in the defending conference champs, Longwood Lancers, Isaiah Wilkins, former Hokie, leading the way for Longwood. They've only lost one conference game. Radford's lost two. And the winner will uh, move into second place all by themselves. So we do have some tickets. If you want a pair of tickets for the game, call me up headed into the break at 639-4900. And uh, you can go tonight at the Dedman Center expecting a nice crowd. They're going to have some uh, really cool um, contests. Concessions are always great. Should be a raucous atmosphere tonight at Deadman. So if you want to hang out with us, call me up during the break. And a pair of tickets will be yours for tonight, 7 o'clock. Always lots of great parking. If you haven't been inside Deadman, come on by and see us. Also, the uh, Tech women tonight on the road against Duke. Big game for Kenny Brooks' squad. A couple ranked teams. Another test for them. Going on the road, winning conference games. Tough. Especially when you're going against another ranked team. Can they get it done tonight? I believe they can. And I certainly believe Radford can too. So if you're interested in going, call me up right now. And I will uh, set you up with tickets for the game at 639-4900.
We will take a break, and when we will come back, we'll get back into our conversation a little bit. Talk about Steve's call a minute ago. And you can call us up. 639-4900, text line 744-2990. Again, if you want some Radford tickets, call me. They're yours. We'll be back rolling along in hour one. Sold the steel. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you One of my all time favorite. I bet a fiddle with gold way. against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your And I'm sorry, you know, it's just like movies that you want to see as they were originally meant to be. Like, at the end of this wonderful three-plus minutes of Creative Genius by Charlie Daniels, I don't want to hear Son of a Gun at the end. You know? <laughs> Sorry. It was meant to be, as God intended, the other son of a... <laughs> right? You remember? I think it started out that way on radio, then they started banning it. I don't know. I can't remember. See, a lot of people think the demons win right there. I mean, the demon part's pretty good, isn't it? This is why we get into trouble with the angels on our shoulders, right? Demon has some attractive stuff. Have this debate all the time. Does Johnny really win? When the devil finished, Johnny said, Well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Yeah. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. I better, I better hear some extended violin here. Fiddle, if you will. There we go. <laughs> Dave said the demons all the way on the text slide. It's all demon. The demon. <laughs> Uh, then he adds in, the demons had the right culture. Thanks, Dave. Right, here we go. I'm going to roll the dice here and see which version this is. Yeah, there you go. That's why you listen to the program right there. 639-4900. See, there you go. Culture, baby. We had the right version here on the program. Tony says the vocals won it for Johnny. Yeah, he did kind of hit the vocals, whereas the demon did not, right? You're right. Maybe that does put him over the top. 
It's a debate that will go on for years. 744-2990. And Dave, you made me laugh out loud. <laughs> the demons had the right culture. Uh, fiery culture, but nonetheless, the correct culture. <laughs> All right, so Steve caught up and was talking about this. Didn't want to go on the air. This was during the last break or the break before the bottom of the hour. He's talking about, yeah, what you're saying is true about work too, right? He was talking about old boss or bosses they had. Uh, he didn't want me to mention where he was. He told me, but I will not uh, do that. Um, he said, look, we, we had a bad culture. We had people didn't know what they were doing. Nobody respected them. They didn't respect us. Nobody wanted to work for them. We didn't bought out and new people have come in and they have been just a godsend and now more productions up they're hiring more people businesses up so he says i think it's exactly what happens in sports it's the same thing with franchises <laughs> wayne says the devil had black alternative fiddles so losses are expected that's exactly right <laughs> Uh, another text. Way to start the day there. With, see, Charlie Day, exactly. With the right version of the song. Thank you. And with what Steve was talking about with that, you know, I can relate to it right here at these radio stations, right? We have a, uh, a relatively new vice president slash general manager, Paul, Paul Johnson, who has come in, and the culture around this place now and the atmosphere is just... It's, it's unbelievable. It's exciting. There's the, so much optimism, so much belief. And everybody's excited. Everybody I talk to on a daily basis. Wasn't like that before, necessarily, Paul got here. And we have great ownership at these radio stations. New River Radio Partners, Monticello Media. We have um, great, great owners and people who care about the industry and care about the product. But now it translates directly into us here locally with Paul being here. And that wasn't the case before. And and I think that it's true wherever you are. You just fill in your own name in that blank. All right? Does blank, do I, whatever your name might be, Bob, Steve, do I have the right culture at work? And if you don't, it's likely not even your fault. Sometimes it is. Sometimes, sometimes you can contribute to the negative culture. Certainly Antonio Brown, right, blew his maybe at some point Hall of Fame career because he was a cancer to every locker room culture. How does a talent like that get kicked out of the league? Well, you're a sociopath. Right? It's just the way it is. Just the way it is. And if you are doing that, I mean, they're not going to put up with you too long. Even if you are great at what you do, you're going to be sent packing. But the one athlete that talks about it, and he's talked about it since he was dominating his sport and continues to go down as the greatest of all time, because the rest of it's just numbers. I don't care that LeBron's getting ready to break Kareem's all-time scoring record at all. But Michael Jordan. If you watch the, the last dance, if you watched all that, culture, culture, and then culture. And he was the one who basically helped create. If you're not here to win as badly as I want to win, you're not going to be here. And I'm going to see to it that you're not here. 
right? I'm the leader of this team. I'm the reason that we have a shot at this thing. You're going to fall in line or you're out of here. He fought teammates in practice after games if he felt like they weren't buying in because of that championship culture that had been established. If you read the books, the great Roland Lazenby, who we need to have back on because his Magic Johnson book, I believe, is now finished. I think I'll do that maybe tomorrow. I'll ask Roland if he wants to come on. Uh, everything highlighted around these great athletes that he writes about. And I'm gonna, I'll ask him about this tomorrow if I can have him on tomorrow. See, I'm programming the show right now live. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so maybe tomorrow we'll have Roland. If not, next week. But anyway... I mean, he's written about so many great Michael Jordan. You know, he just did the Magic book, Jerry West. Anyone that he's written about, he's talked about them being just different dudes, different cats, man. And it's it's just the way it is. It's either there or it's not. Hasn't been there at Tech football under Justin Fuente. Wasn't there for a long time. And the thing that really now makes you look back and make you have to just be angry, and we can talk about it. We're adult people. Doesn't it piss you off how little Justin Fuente cared about any of the established Virginia Tech culture? That should make every diehard Tech fan, whether you're just a minor donor, a major giver, season ticket holder, whatever you might be, identifying alumnus, whatever, how little regard he had to the place that he was and admittedly so right how was that allowed to go on as long as it did how many times has Dwight come on and talked about players left in droves former players left in droves because they weren't welcome and they didn't want any part of it they could tell And you know how they knew before anybody else? Because those guys were part of the outstanding culture that Frank Beamer, Jim Weaver, Bud Foster, all those guys built. They know what it looks like. Should just make you so angry if you're a Tech fan. Really should. How was this allowed? What thought process was going on there? Yeah, maybe it was time for Coach Beamer to step aside. Right? He admitted it. Things had kind of grown a little stale, and it was time. But that did not mean that everything that was built up from a cultural perspective needed to be completely reestablished. But that's what was attempted, and that's what failed miserably by someone who had no concept of this area or of what the culture needed to look like. Again, Justin Fuente was a slam-dunk hire when it was made on paper, and it quickly turned into, oops, he's just not going to pan out. That's one of the best things Whit Babcock, I think I've heard him say. Remember that when he was talking about at the end, after the decision had been made, that Justin Fuente was the five-star recruit that just didn't work out. It happens a lot. 
That's I think that's correct. Absolutely. But just look around your day today as you're sitting around. Think about it. Think about your bosses. Think about your coworkers. What's the culture there? Are you appreciated? Or is it the kind of leadership that doesn't ever tell you anything that's going well, right, if you're doing a good job, and then when something goes wrong, boy, you hear about it. Not only does it make you angry, but does it really have any kind of bearing on you? Because you're like, look, if you can't come up to me and tell me that you're you, you're glad that I'm doing the job I'm doing and things are going great, then don't don't just point out the negatives, right? I think the same thing happens in sports, too. Players are more patient when coaches get angry because they've also seen them be very, very appreciative in issuing praise. And I go back to when I played at Pulaski County High School for the great Joel Hicks. Other than my father, the most influential man I've ever had come across my path in my life. And Mike Jones. But Coach Hicks would not hesitate to build you up when you got something. Right? When you did something positive. For instance, as a sophomore, back then it was a huge deal to make travel team. I'm not boasting now because I'm too far separated from it now in my, my aged years after high school. But I made travel team as a sophomore. And never forget Coach Flincham. At one day at the end of practice, announced, made that announcement. And I remember Coach Hicks went out of his way to highlight me. I'm just this little 10th grade punk. All right? And talking about the sweat, the, the work on the scout team, the, the hamburger, whatever it might be, hamburger drills. The, and then the next day, I, I remember it vividly, the next day I screwed up like three different times and he ripped into me. But at the same time, see, the message was received the day before, the message was received the day after. Because I knew it was on me. See the difference? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do anything the day following. They made the announcement. I made the team to travel. Then they should have just pulled me off the team. I didn't do it the next day, and it was on me. I looked at myself, and I think that's what good coaches do. You don't just constantly tear somebody down. At some point, you just, you're stripping away any desire or any hope or any kind of willingness to try to improve. And I think you have to have it both ways. And I've gotten that impression, you know, just talking to Coach Nichols over the last couple of years, right? I've watched him on practice. He will let guys know when he's proud of them, when they're doing the right thing. And I'm telling you what, if you had been in the Dedman Center the day after that USC Upstate loss, a couple weeks back, you would have thought that nobody on that team would ever wear a jersey again. But you see, I think that clearly that message has been received and it's a great example of the proper culture because, well, now they've won five in a row going for six tonight against Longwood on ESPNU. Now, I've had a lot of people ask, no, that's not me on the call. They use their own people there coming in. I'll be on radio only at 6.30 tonight, 7 o'clock. But in any event, it's an interesting topic, and it's, it's, 
it's fun to see people are relating that to their own work environment because I think it goes hand in hand with your your sports fanship and with uh, your daily routine when you head into the office. And all four teams that remain in the NFL, I guarantee you, if you talk to players on that team, they're just going to rave about the culture. As a matter of fact, like I just said, I haven't heard Brock Purdy, the other three quarterbacks, that's all they talk about. But Christian McCaffrey's talked about it a lot since he was traded from Carolina to Frisco. The difference in the culture. Expectations to win, giving you the materials to win, giving you the encouragement to win, whatever it might be, the coaching to win. And when you have it, man, you got a shot to hang around for a while. When it's gone, as it happened at Tech, well, you're trying, struggling to get it back which I think this new coaching staff is is implementing piece by piece. I really do. Hokey Bob says Wente was VT's version of the Etzel. (laughs) Good morning to you too, Bob. Yeah, that's, that's one way to put it. Maybe we'll get into this too once we talk about recruiting with Andy Bitter a little bit. Get his take. Because he was there for all the great years. He understands what it looks like, what it feels like. All right, wrapping up hour number one. Good conversation, though. Text line's always open for you, 744-2990. We've already given away one pair of uh, Radford tickets. I have one more left if you want them for tonight. 639-4900 for Radford and Longwood at the Deadman Center. Call me up during the break. We'll be back to wrap up hour one. Take the big dog for a walk. Oh, just the big lad want walking around all licked up. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anywhere with the TuneIn app. More BDSD next on WRAD. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic... Hey guys, I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Talking a little bit with Mark Dog last night. He was at Arkansas last night. He'll be uh, watching this Radford game tonight. He was talking about the highs a little bit. There's a one-man band, and he'll toot his flute for you. You know, you hear some artists. Sinatra's just one of those guys for me, right? You just marvel at it. So good. So good. I always put you in a certain type of mood. I think one of the most powerful recordings is his version of I Did It My Way, right? I mean, he gets into that thing. That is uh, that's, that's a lot of emotion back in that bad boy. I mean, that's a vocal right there. I mean, you have vocals, and then you have vocals. Then you have that song. All right, coming up, uh, 7.35, Andy Bitter from The Athletic. We'll talk some of these uh, recruiting days, these events that Tech's having, how meticulous they are about the timing of these and what they're trying to do there, looking toward to the next class in 24. And we'll talk to him some of the things he noticed about the differences when he was covering tech during the cultural days and then during the Fuente days. 
and then Dwight Vick, and we will get right into this topic at 8.35 because I think it will be very intriguing to get specific perspective from him because he was recruited into it as it was starting to hit full throttle and then some, right? And it comes down to the old chicken versus the egg question, right? Which comes first? Do you have to win to have culture? Or do you need the culture to win? We'll be back. Hour two straight ahead on a Thursday. Stay with us. Don't go away.